for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. All right, I'm going to preach today out of Acts chapter 16, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, I'm going to start a series today. It's going to be five weeks long about the only thing that God taught me in 2023. Uh, that'll make sense in a little while. And that is faithfulness. We've been called to be faithful. Above all other things, above anything else, we are called to one thing. Now, and that is faithful. To be faithful. Now listen to me. That doesn't mean that there aren't things underneath that umbrella we're supposed to be faithful to. We're supposed to be faithful to prayer, faithful to reading our word, faithful to serve, faithful to love one another. We're supposed to be faithful. But everything that God expects of us falls under the umbrella of faithfulness. We should be a faithful people. Amen? So what does faithful mean? Faithful means unwavering dependable, unshakable, that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. That is faithful. And we are called to be faithful. And that's the one thing that God taught me in this 2023 is that more than anything in the world, He wants my faithfulness. He doesn't want me to grow the church. I can't grow the church. Does that surprise you? I can't get people saved. I can't... I can't motivate people to walk in obedience. I can't do any of those things. Those are all supernatural works of God. Now, they might happen within whatever's happening in my faithfulness, but they are supernatural works of God. God grows His own church. You want to know why we're not event-driven here? Why we don't do a bunch of flashy stuff? Because I can't make the church grow through events. The church grows as the proclamation of the word is sent forward. As people hear the gospel, as life changes. So I've been called to be faithful to the declaration of the word unadulterated. Amen? People know that we love them when we are faithful to serve them, speak kindly to them, and love them. These are the things we're called to be faithful to, but the larger umbrella is that God has called us to be faithful. You know why? Because God is faithful. Because God is faithful, which is the name of the sermon today. Before I spend the next four weeks talking about the things we should be faithful in, I think it would behoove us all to understand that we can be faithful in the things God called us to do because God is faithful. And I'm counting on God's faithfulness. And I hope that you are too. But let me tell you something. We serve a faithful, but also a perfect judge of a God. Amen. Here's what I believe. That any time, it's not that I, what I believe, it's what I read in Scripture. Wherever we see God is angry in the Scripture, He's angry for one reason. His people have become apathetic. They've grown indifferent, unconcerned, or, or, or uninterested in the things of God. 
It's a constant cycle. If you'll look, read the book of Exodus or Judges specifically, you'll see a cycle. You'll see people walking in the favor of the Lord, God's love and mercy and tenderness and loving kindness. All of these things are poured out on them. His blessing is poured out on them. They become, that generation becomes, the next generation becomes soft. They start dabbling in false idol worship, whether it be actual idols or things that they create in their own life that they prioritized over God. Because God's not going to have an adulterer. He takes his hand off of them. As he takes his hand off of them, the cursing happens. The cursing happens. They realize the depravity they're in. In the depravity they're in, they call out to God. God, again, is faithful to restore them back to blessing. Over and over and over again, we see this. God is faithful. We become unfaithful. God removes his hand because we became unfaithful. That is apathetic. We became indifferent to the things of God. And the big C church has become indifferent in a lot of areas towards the things of God. And when I say the big C church, that we are involved in the big C church. I see apathy in the church right now, in our church, and I don't want to start, this reason why I'm ending the year like this, I don't want to start the year like this, but I'm ending this year with telling you I see apathy in our church that didn't used to exist. There was a time Angela and I, the 14. Did you know 14 people in less than two weeks turned this from an office, I think it was less than two weeks, three weeks, turned this from an office space to a church by coming after work, staying until 2 a.m., doing whatever needed to be done so that January 1st we'd be prepared to have service in this room? People were committed to faithfulness. When we did an outreach, 15, 20, 30, 75 people, however many people we had in the church, they showed up at that outreach. Now I got to beg and plead for three people to show up and they only stay part of the time. I'm not trying to be ugly to you. I'm just telling you, maybe we need to start considering, have we replaced what we should see as magnificent and started seeing it as mundane instead? We get to be faithful because God is faithful. But instead, we've become apathetic. We've become indifferent to the things that God is doing around us. And we got to shake that off of us moving into the next year. We have to start walking in faithfulness because God is faithful. Do you believe that God is faithful? Yes, yes I do too. But let me tell you, the Bible speaks against apathy. Paul speaks against it in Romans 12, 10, and 11. He said, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in love, giving preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind, diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. These are the things that we should be faithful in. Loving one another, giving preference to one another, being diligent, being fervent in the spirit, and serving the Lord. We should be diligent and faithful to do these things. The book of Hebrews continues. Also, I, in chapter 15, I believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. Make that argument if you want to. But it says that we have become dull in our hearing, which means that we stop listening to what God is telling us. And because we become dull in our hearing, it continues in 15, 11 through 12 by saying that it has essentially stunted our spiritual growth. You know what I want for you in 2024? I want for you to grow, 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 and grow spiritually. But you can't do that in apathy. You can't do that in indifference. 
You can't do that with being dull of hearing and not pursuing God fervently in the Spirit. You just can't do it. And why would God give you something and advance your spirituality if you're not doing the thing that He gave you already? I can't take step two until I've completed step one. I can't complete step four until I start step four until I've completed step three and so on and so forth. Listen, we have to shake loose the apathy in our life and say, I do care about what God has to say to me. I am concerned with what God has called me to because God has called us to be faithful because God is faithful. Amen. In Zephaniah 1, 12 through 13, it talks about those who are stagnant in spirit. Their wealth will become plunder and their houses desolate. That's a curse. If we become stagnant in our spirit, immovable, not moving forward, unfaithful. Revelations 3, 15 through 16 says the most frightening, one of the most frightening things I've, I think is in Scripture. It says, I know your deeds. That you are neither hot, cold, nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, because you're indifferent, because you're apathetic, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty strong verbiage. Why do I say it? Why do I waste my time, man? I'm not trying to beat you to death. Just trying to wake us up, man. We got too many people out here telling us that everything's going to be okay when everything ain't going to be okay. We have to grip now more than I've ever in my whole life, grip tightly to God who's faithful to us. People ask me all the time, what do you think 2024 is going to hold? I don't know, man. But I bet it ain't great in the physical. But it's going to be great in the spiritual. You know why? Because everything that I overcome in the physical is a great spiritual victory. Amen. But God is faithful to see me through those things. Don't worry about what tomorrow holds. God holds tomorrow. I don't want to be talking to you in cliches off a t-shirt, but it's true. So here's the question. Why does God concern Himself or why does he have such a harsh position towards apathy? I've just read you these verses, the curses that come along with apathetic behavior. Why? Because he's never been apathetic towards us. He's always been faithful towards us. When we fail, he made a promise to Adam. He had that promise established from the foundations of the earth. He sent Jesus Christ to fulfill that promise. He raised Jesus Christ from that promise so that we might have a hope. And that hope will exist until we won't need that hope anymore because we'll be in the presence of that which we've hoped for. That is a God that is concerned with you, that is faithful to you, that hasn't become apathetic towards you. He chases you and pursues you with everything that He has every single day. He literally is the prodigal son's dad. He is just waiting to see you on the horizon. Trust me, He's been practicing His welcome home speech way longer than you've been practicing your can I come home speech. He's faithful. 
And we should be grateful for that. Amen? And so, <clears throat> that's what I want to talk to you about today. That God is faithful. And hopefully in that faithfulness, we'll see the need to shake off that apathy and be faithful too. The first point I want to make is from 22 through 26a, God is faithful to be there. Just be there. God is faithful to be there. Verses 23 through 20, 22 through 26a reads like this. The crowd rose up against them. That's Paul and Silas. They had infuriated the city of Thyatira for a reason I don't have time to get into right now. Just know that the whole city turned against them. And the chief magistrates tore their clothes off of them. Not off the chief magistrates, but off of Paul and Silas, according to the syntax. And proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they blew them in they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet and their in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there came a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison house were shaken. Amen. Like I told you, this first point is that God is faithful to be there. Did you know you are never alone? That God is omnipresent? That He is everywhere at all times, not bound by time or space? He is just standing right here next to me, the same that He's sitting right next to you, the same way He's sitting right next to someone in Africa. And He's not in any way diminished. He's 100% there as He is 100% here. He is present. He is there. It doesn't matter what you're going through in your life. God is present everywhere. Listen, whether you're on the street like Paul and Silas, getting persecuted, being beaten, whether you've been tied up in the innermost parts of the prison, shackled to the floor in a place where you think nobody sees you, when you think you've been completely and totally abandoned, God is there. He hasn't forgotten you. Can I tell you that? I feel like somebody needs to hear that. Somebody's saying, God has forsaken me. God wouldn't know how to begin to forsake you. Because he's not a man that he should lie. And he said that he is faithful to be there. Amen. And so it doesn't matter. You know what I, I love? I think the Holy Spirit is very intentional about what he puts in and what he leaves out of Scripture. And it says, the innermost part of the prison... You know what the innermost part of the prison is? It didn't just say threw them in prison. The innermost part of the prison is the lowest piece of the prison. The darkest, dankest, nastiest, hidden away portion of the prison where nobody's going to see them or care about them. God's there too. In that place where nobody can see you or you think nobody can see you, in the place where you think nobody cares about you, in the place where your family's falling apart, your finances are upside down, you're dealing with issues in your, in your family besides the fact they're falling apart. You just, as people got everyday stuff going on. God is there in your innermost peace. In the thing that you think is hidden away from sight, God is there. He is faithful to be there. Yes. Amen? I'm trying to build your faith, man. That's encouraging. That should be encouraging. Man, because I struggle. I struggle. As your pastor, I'll tell you, I struggle. I ain't getting it right. 
Most people won't tell you that. Most pastors won't tell you that. Did y'all know I struggle with depression from time to time? I won't get out of bed. I'll cover my head up with my blankets. I'll stay in bed all day. And then I realize God's here. He's faithful to me. I need to be faithful to Him. I need to be faithful to what He's called me to do. And I get up and I put my big boy boots on and I do what God told me to do. Amen? Amen. God is faithful. I can prove this to you in Scripture. Psalm 139, 7 through 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is nowhere. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, that means if I go as high as I can go, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, as low as I can go, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, that's as far as I can move left or right. You're, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, as deep as I can go, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay a hold of me. It doesn't matter where you go, you can't get away from the omnipresence of a loving, faithful God. No matter how high, no matter how low, no matter whether you're going east or west or how deep into the ocean you go, it doesn't matter where you go. You can't outrun Him, so stop trying. I can only think of three instances in the Scripture where people tried to hide, flee, or fade away from God, and God found them every time. Adam tried to hide. Didn't work out. God found him. Jonah tried to flee. Didn't work out. God found it. Peter tried to fade back into his own life. And we've all tried that. Guess what? God will find you there too. You know why? Because He's faithful. Isn't that good? I know that God chases me. And I want you to have the trust and assurance, the faith, if you will, to know that He is faithful to you too. Mm, that's good. He is inescapably everywhere. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Again, rhetorical questions because we can't hide ourselves. He does fill the heavens and the earth because He's omnipresent. Here's the thing that I think is so beautiful. If He is everywhere, then wherever God is, His faithfulness is. God's faithful while I'm standing right here. He's faithful when I'm standing right here too. And I want y'all to get a hold of that. That God is faithful to you. But can I tell you, sometimes I, I don't need the omnipresence of God as much as I need the manifest presence of God. Do you know what the difference is? It's not vernacular you hear a lot. But the omnipresence just means He's everywhere all the time. The manifest presence is where He manifests Himself, shows Himself to us. And I don't know about y'all, but there are times when I need God to show Himself to me. Can I get an amen on that? Who in here needs, from time to time, just the manifest presence of God in your life? 
you know, I don't know that there's a first secret formula for getting that done. But I think the formula that these texts use is a pretty good place to start. It says here, But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Pay attention to that. I'm going to get back to that. Prisoners were listening to them in a minute. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison house were shaken. That earthquake, that shaken foundation, that's the manifest presence of God showing up. What did they do prior to the manifest presence of God showing up? They praised, sang hymns, and prayed. You want the manifest presence of God to show up? How about you start with singing, start with praising, start with worshiping, start with prayer. Why don't you ask God to manifest Himself to you, believing in faith that He will, because that's what the Bible says. Anything I ask according to whose name? Jesus' name. Anything I ask according to His will, He hears me. And because He hears me, I have what I ask for. That me receiving what I've asked for, whether it be peace of mind, whether it be salvation, whether it be something physical and tangible, that is God hearing me and manifesting His presence in my presence. And He's willing to do that for you. That's good. Somebody better say that's good preaching. All right. Don't really mean as much when I say it, but it's all right. Because He hears us. He hears our faith-filled prayers and accepts our worship. Proverbs 15.29 says this, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. John 9.31, first part scares me a little bit, but it's true. We know that God does not hear sinners. I know that messes you up a little bit. I believe the only prayer that God hears from a sinner is a prayer of repentance. Because He wants you before He wants to give you stuff. But then it goes and continues. It says, but if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, He hears Him. God-fearing here in the Greek means to be a worshiper of God. So He's literally saying, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. Want the manifest presence of God in your life? Pray. Worship. Seek His face. He'll show up. He may not show up when you think you need Him, but your timing ain't perfect. He may not show up in the way you need Him, but you know what? Your understanding ain't perfect. But He will show up. Some of the greatest answers to prayer I've ever received are no. Or not yet. If I got yes to every prayer I've ever made, I'd be a hot mess. The day I got a call to preach, man, I thought, man, I should go preach. You know what a train wreck that would have been? But God said, not yet. Honestly, I thought God said no for a while. But He's faithful. Number two, God is faithful to deliver. Where His presence is, His deliverance is. 26b through 29 reads like this. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. 
When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoner had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear and fell down before Paul and Silas. Did you read that? Did, did you read that? It says that he delivered them in their praise, in their worship, in his manifest presence. He was faithful to deliver them. Their chains, the doors opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. God's in the delivering business, spiritually and physically. Spiritually, He delivers us by saving us, by helping us wash our minds pure with the water of the Word. Physically, he's, He delivers us too. Read your Bible. And I say that every sermon, but you should really read your Bible. He delivered Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt. He delivered David when he was in the desert. He delivered Hezekiah and the city of Jerusalem from King Sennacherib. He delivered Daniel. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. He delivers and delivers and delivers and delivers and delivers. Can I tell you, because God is faithful, whatever shackles might be binding you, whatever innermost part you're in, the blessing is that God is still in the delivery business. Amen. People say, I'm going to start a delivery ministry. No, you didn't start a delivery ministry. Jesus started a delivery ministry. If you'll just proclaim the name of Jesus, there'll be deliverance there. But we have to have faith that God is faithful to deliver us. And He will. Amen? Amen. And finally, as He delivers us, I, He has delivered us. In Psalms 107, 13 through 14, we read this. I'd, I'd encourage you to read Psalm 107 sometime this week. You're going to see this in 13 and 14. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Did you hear that? How did deliverance happen for them? They cried out to Him while they were in trouble. He saved them out of their distress, brought them out of darkness, and broke the bands over their life. That is the chains over their life. And He'll do the same thing for you. The reason I encourage you not just to read those two verses, but all of 107, is it says that exact same verbiage three times within that psalm. They cried out, God delivered. They cried out, God saved. They cried out, God delivered. Guess what? If you want God to be faithful in delivering, guess what you should be faithful at doing? Crying out. Don't you want to be delivered? Do you desire deliverance? Then know that He's still a God who heals. He's still a God who works miracles. He's still our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. He hasn't stopped being any of those things. And that's so good.
And finally, number three, because God is there and in His manifest presence delivers, in His delivery, He saves and continues to save. God is faithful to save and continue to save. Verses 30 through 34 read like this. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's the jailer said to Paul and Silas. Reckon why he said that. Because the manifest presence had manifested a miracle in front of him and a miracle is a sign to the unbeliever so that they can see the miraculous hand and working of God so that people might give glory to God and attribute to the things to Him that He is. His strength, His majesty, all the attributes that He has. And so he saw this miraculous thing and what did he say? What do I need to do to be part of that? Have you ever thought that the way that you worship, the way that you are faithful, the way that you do things is either motivating or demotivating someone to follow after Christ Jesus? Man, that'll punch you right in the teeth, won't it? Because there's times when I, I go through my day, I might spend a couple hours and I'm all, oh man, I have been a bad example. I hope they don't judge the church based on me today. hope they don't judge Jesus based on me today. But Paul and Silas did what they needed to do. God's presence manifested. God delivered. And then God saved. It continues to say, 30 through 34, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So essentially he told them the gospel. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together, all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour to the night and washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized he and his household and he brought them into his house set food before them and rejoiced greatly having believed in God with his with his whole household this freaks me out in a good way how did Paul get saved Jesus manifested himself right to Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul was involved in Silas's salvation, probably. Paul and Silas were responsible for the jailer's salvation by telling them the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation according to Romans chapter 1. The jailer submitted his family to the teaching so because of the jailer, his household got saved. You see this chain? This genealogy starts with Jesus, moved to Paul, moved to Silas, moved to the jailer, moved to the household. But what about all these others that were listening? Told you I'd come back to that. I wonder how many of those heard, saw the same thing the jailer saw and thought, surely there is a Christ. Here's the challenge moving into 2024. Are we willing to continue that genealogy? I wonder how many of us, if you could trace spiritual roots, are in the lineage 
of that jailer and his family. Because he was saved. He not only made a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord, he did works to prove his salvation. He got baptized. He invited them into their home. He fed them, fellowshiped with them. He took care of them. That is the work that proves grace. So I wonder how many of us can trace our lineage back to one of these big names in Scripture. Probably most of us. The challenge is, who in 2024 is going to be able to trace theirs back to you? I'm going to ask you a question, and I want... I, I, there's no condemnation. If you're not ready, don't do it. But if you're willing to tell others about Jesus this year, to make a concerted effort to continue the genealogy of Christ in your circle, to be bold enough to stand and say, I believe, and this is why I believe, so that others might believe. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God empowers you, emboldens you, gives you opportunity, places people in your path. Because those are prayers I think God will answer. Amen? And then after you tell them about Jesus, then tell them about your church. This, this hurt this. I've gotten a bunch of several phone calls because I've said this before. I'm not coming off it though. Don't invite your people here to get saved. You tell them the gospel and then invite them here to get equipped. Amen? Take personal responsibility for the salvation that you have, for the faithfulness that God has placed inside of you. If you're willing to take on that challenge, that commitment to continue the genealogy of Christ into 2024 and help me be faithful to what God's called us to do, would you stand so I could pray with you? Thank you. Thank you. Listen, I believe everybody stands what's exactly what I've asked of them. And I'm thankful for you. Let me pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, your word tells us whatever we ask according to your will, you hear us. And because you hear us, we have what we've asked for. Well, we know it's your will that every person be saved. You sent your son Jesus that so, so that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And because it's your will and you hear it, we know we can have what we ask for. So send us people, Lord in our personal lives, in our personal spheres of influence, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Let us intersect our lives with the lives of the people around us. And Holy Spirit, create opportunity for conversation about the gospel. And Heavenly Father, I ask that you by your Spirit, the Spirit that's in each one of us, that has declared you as Lord, I ask that you give us a boldness, not an arrogance, but a boldness to declare the truth to them in love God I ask that you till the soil of their heart prior to us intersecting with them so that as the seed is planted it takes root even if we don't get to pick the fruit of it Lord it's your fruit anyway 
just cause us to be useful vessels. Cause us, Heavenly Father, to chase after you the way you've chased after us and to chase after others the way you've chased after us. We praise you, Lord, because you are faithful. Be faithful in this request. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.